Hey, what's up, y'all? Matt here with Hatch and another episode of Built By. Episodes like today are my absolute favorite because I get to dive in and pick the brain of somebody who's actually done it. Somebody who's actually built a home improvement business from scratch to five plus million dollars annually. And I guess one of my favorite parts of this is because they're always so open to sharing, you know, how they built their business, obstacles they had to overcome, the things that they did to get them to where they are now. They're an open book and it's just so fun to talk to them. You can feel the passion and stuff. And today is no different at all. So my guest today is Greta Barami Capoverde. She is the owner and CEO of Golden Group Roofing, which is uh, located in Boston, Massachusetts. Her story in of itself, like I said, is amazing. She immigrated to America from Albania. Uh, she dropped out of law school when she found out she was having a daughter. And then she started a roofing business. Little to no experience. She had a little experience in the industry, but she started a roofing business and she's grown it to over six and a half million dollars. And the most fascinating part about the story is that she didn't do all of this in the traditional sense that we think you have to start a home improvement business. She took a different route. She didn't hire canvassers to go knock on doors. She didn't hire sales reps to go plaster neighborhoods. She made a concerted effort early to go heavy into the marketing side. And I mean, the results speak for themselves. Growing a five plus million dollar company in the short time span of like five years is crazy. So I don't want to take too much longer with this intro because there's a ton of good stuff in here and you're really going to enjoy it. And I think you're going to get a lot of insights from somebody who took a different approach to things. And like she says, like, it doesn't mean that her approach is better than anyone else's. It's just, she took a different route and she came to the same success that a lot of other companies have. So I think there's a lot of stuff in here that you can take and apply to your business and start thinking about how you can leverage a couple of different levers that it doesn't have to be the traditional way. So I'm going to go ahead and kick this episode off. Again, this is Greta Barami Campaverde. She is the CEO and owner of Golden Group Roofing up in Boston, Massachusetts. I know you're going to enjoy this one. This is a podcast for home improvement and home services marketing. This is Built By. But you've got to be adaptable. You've got to find a way to accommodate an uncomfortable customer. If you're not getting the home advisor leads in the first five minutes, you shouldn't even do it. Hopefully we're eating their lunch while they're trying to get back up and running. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me on your show. Uh, a little bit about me. My name is Greta Bayrami. I was uh, born and raised in Albania, Tirana, Albania, to be exact. Long ways from here. Uh, I migrated to the United States with my parents when I was just uh, nine, almost 10 years old. And uh, I came to, you know, find the American dream, just like every other immigrant that looks at America on TV or on the news. It's the land of opportunity, the land that you can make yourself out of anything. So, that's exactly as a kid. That's all I wanted. I wanted to become a lawyer. I wanted to seize the American dream. And I worked really hard to obtain those goals. Um, but sometimes life has a different plan for you. And uh, it did for me as well. Uh, so I had to divert and uh, find a new path. Uh, I was a little bit untraditional than most. My first year into law school, I actually found out I was pregnant with my daughter, Kiara. Huh. And so that meant detouring. And it meant... Um, that I had to grow up overnight and make some tough decisions. And one of those decisions was that I no longer saw that law would work for me. I'm not saying that 
law and motherhood don't go together. I just knew that for me to be a young mom and try to raise my daughter, try to work with my partner to raise our daughter together and go to law school was just not going to work. So I decided to unenroll and I re-enrolled in business administration. And just like everybody else, you know, I went, I, I did, I went through the the everyday notions of school work and trying to raise my family. And when I graduated college, it was another hurdle to overcome because I realized that not many people were hiring, um, especially recent grads and not recent grads that had time restrictions, you know, with daycares. Um, so yeah. I remember Craigslist.org was a very big website during that time. People used to sell stuff on there. And uh, then they used to also list like random jobs. So yeah. I had previously used it to get serving jobs throughout college. So now I went back on there and one day I saw 200 or $300 pay for roofing foreman. And I was like, oh, this is great. You know, I'm a very... <laughs> young 21 year old and all I'm doing is grabbing a paper and pen and I'm saying 200, 300 times seven times, you know, every day possible in the year. Great. This is a great money. So yeah, I yeah. ended up uh, applying for the job and I got the job and I think I only got the job because I think they weren't expecting to see somebody polished. Not that roofers aren't polished, <laughs> but maybe I overdid it. You know, I went uh, with all the things I had learned in business school, like show up with a suit, you know, dress really nice pitch yourself in like less than a minute. So that's yeah. what I did. And I got the job and long story short, what should have been just a means to get myself moving and have some income to pay my bills ended up being an industry where I was three years into every day, seeing a need and seeing a way that I could do it differently. And it ended up becoming a passion. And I, I'm very raw about that and authentic. I don't think I woke up wanting to be a roofer. I think roofing found me. Mm -hmm. Quite literally, I say saved my life. And then I found a way to stay in it because I found things that I'm very passionate about within the industry. And that's my story. And that's how Golden Group was born. Golden Group was born because once I had already invested three years into this industry, I felt that it wasn't right for roofing and for me to depart um, so early, not when I saw so many things that I could improve and do differently and do differently for the people, the homeowners, right? Because I always tell people that a roof is a need. It's not a want. So we're very different than kitchen remodelers. Uh, we're very different than, you know, some of these HGTV gals and girls that you see out there. So, yeah. Um, you know, we're a need, meaning that sometimes I'm entering the homeowner's home and they're going through really tough financial situations. Maybe they're going through experiencing a death. Maybe mm -hmm. they're experiencing a divorce, whatever it may be, but they're still getting the roof done. So I realized that that's where I was special. And the way I handled these people was what was what was special about me. And that's why Golden Group was born. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, it's interesting. There's this theme, you know, in your background of like diverting and doing something different than everyone else. And if you look at Golden Group Roofing, it's kind of the same story, right? Um, mm -hmm. You took a completely different approach to building this business. And I believe that you're, you know, 5 million plus, you know, annually. Um, some things are going well. You know, I'd love to dive in there a little bit. Tell sure. me a little bit about some like those first days when you were getting things going with Golden Group. Like what, what did you do differently? I mean, the first days were horrible. Let's be real. I um, I had uh, I only have my mom and my dad in the United States, and I have no family, relatives, cousin, uncles. So, that right there was tough in its own. You know, I didn't really have anybody that could share a post and say like my niece's new roofing company. You know, so I was always 
I didn't have that. And I didn't have a lot of other things going for me. And I also didn't have a lot of friends because remember what I said, like I had spent most of my life trying to survive and raise my daughter and go to school. So I didn't have even many friends, which is <laughs> sad to say. I have friends now. But, uh, you know, so those early days were tough. It was a, a lot of things that trying to see what we could do differently. You know, like I said, I knew I didn't have the friends. I didn't, I knew I didn't have a lot of things going for me. So what could I do differently? So at an early stage, I looked at online, you know, I grabbed my laptop, a very cheap laptop at the time. And I said, what could I do differently? And I did a WordPress site, like any a great entrepreneur would do uh, mm -hmm. with a beautiful logo that I made myself. And, you know, I put up the site and I was like, I, we do roofing. I hope I should probably find a copy of that somewhere online. <laughs> yeah. And um, it was like the most hideous site in the world, but uh, I kept pouring my heart into it. And I was like, I hope people see it. And then the next thing I did in those very early days was like, what am I going to do? Mm. And, and I was like, well, I want to do roofing and I want to do only one type of roofing. I want to be the best at it. And that was yeah. a very bold decision to make very early on because very early on, you don't have revenue, you don't have clients and your gut instinct is to take anything and everything just to get your engine started. Yeah. But I knew that I wanted to do one thing and do it well. And I think knowing that and knowing that I wanted to be online and I wanted to be make friends from all over the world and make people love me, mm -hmm. those were the two driving forces in those very early days. And I'm grateful that I discovered that uh, for myself, that I wanted to do one thing and do it right. And I wanted to focus all my energy online because I didn't have those cheerleaders, those foot soldiers out there for me. Yeah. You see a problem I think a lot of companies make like in those early stages is that they try to do like way too much. And like mm -hmm. we've all been to restaurants where they've got like tacos, pizza, cheeseburgers, <laughs> yes. you know, none of it's going to be good. But you go to like those like fancy restaurants where they have like two or three things and you're like, all of these are going to be like fresh and, and amazing mm -hmm. specialty. Absolutely. So I think that was a great, you know, first start there is like really specializing in something and kind of owning it. So, you know, in those early days, uh, you, you really focused on marketing and branding has mm -hmm. been a big part of, you know, what you're doing now. Um, is there any reason why you, you decided to go this route with like the heavy focus yeah. on marketing versus the traditional, you know, canvassing and, and that sort of thing? Well, good question. I mean, I just knew that I didn't have the overhead to absorb to bring actual people, right? Like mm -hmm. traditional marketing um, trade shows, you know, you got to pay for the booth, the equipment, the people. And even if you're standing there, that's a lot of time to sit. And, I, and not to say that I didn't do it. I did do it. But I learned very early on that that was going to be a way that I was going to get myself burned out, right? Or like when I see canvassers and I'm thinking that's a car, there's an insurance, there's a gas. Sure, like you have a higher chance. Mm -hmm. But maybe if you put just as much effort online, you'd have exactly equal chances and maybe with an even different type of client. So I realized very early on that the overhead of having people wasting like precious time trying to chase people to do business with was going to be a very tiring approach for my business model. Mm -hmm. I said, I want to make something that's so unique, so good, so well-branded, so cohesive that people love they watch and then they crave to do business with that was like that mentality right like i and i got this mentality from like a mercedes-benz like i don't think 
people Mercedes-Benz has to sell itself. I think it's just whoever wants it goes to it. And it's a very egotistic approach, I guess you could say. Um, it doesn't necessarily work for everybody because you do have to perfect your craft. Your craft has to be flawless. You have to be 100% transparent. And I'm not just saying that everybody puts some transparent on their website, but what does transparency mean? Transparency mean you, the owner, are always front and center. You're mm. always being featured. You're on your own blogs. Your face is on podcasts like this. You know, you have numbers, real numbers where people can physically hold you or even a building where they can come and find you like right now, that's transparency to me. So if you want to take this business model where people crave you and they want to do business with you, you have to be in it, right? You have to be willing to invest the time and mm. you better be crispy clean every time because <laughs> people can't see you at a bar after you've shown your face in all these podcasts and all these like guest appearances, they can't see your face being rude or arrogant, right? Because that's going to yeah. judge you. They're going to judge you. So for me, it was a very strategic type of branding that I realized very early on, I wanted to create this feeling where we didn't have to go to the client, the client came to us. Yeah, that's fascinating. Also, you mentioned Mercedes Benz, and that actually is a great segue into my next kind of question, which is, you know, looking at your website, you have all these like really cool ideas, tools, you've got, you know, the the online estimation where a homeowner can pick yeah. the time and the service, and there's a brief description of each service, really cool. Mm -hmm. You've also got like the roofing calculator where they can get an idea for cost before they come. Um, that all these things are, are so fascinating to me. And it sounds like, you know, what I'm interested in learning is, um, are you looking at the industry and, and what others are doing? And it sounds like you're looking at other industries. You, you're comparing yourself more to like mm. you know, the apples of the world versus, you know, what, what other riffers are doing. Yeah, you caught on to that. That's great. <laughs> no, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm actually uh, not comparing ourselves to our industry. I'm comparing ourselves to our users and what mm -hmm. they're enjoying in all across other industries like so we're seeing a trend where users are really enjoying booking open table right like i yeah. i actually won't won't i i'm sorry to say this but sometimes i will choose only restaurants that are on open table because the convenience that i could do it in between a meeting without having to wait on the phone call right so if people because and i'm watching these behaviors i'm saying why not in roofing why aren't people thinking the same way or sometimes people just want to know the price right like how much mm -hmm. is this vacation going to cost me what's this hotel going to cost me like how much is this haircut people want to know the prices so how can we as roofers bring the prices to the homeowner as well now i will say that it's not for everybody it is a little risky because i'm also giving the price to my competitors mm -hmm. but with risk comes reward and if my competitor is looking at that then that's fine and because i i know that out there there's a there's a buyer and there's a client that's looking at that well and that and that's the person who i'm going after i'm going after the buyer i'm not going after the competitor and yeah. we actually had to gate it because we were getting so much spam with competitors that we had to gate it so now when you use a roofing calculator you do have to put your information in but i mm -hmm. promise there's no solicitation involved it's just doing that to because we would get so much spam from competitors using it, like when they were meeting with clients to probably see like what we would charge that person. So yeah. we had to gate it and we had to gate it a little bit and it only allows you to do three attempts with one IP before it like times you out. But again, <laughs> we had to do those because our industry is still such a long way from there. But I say, when you give knowledge to the consumer, you're only building a, a, a better positioning. You're almost becoming the leader at the top of the chart, chart, and you're in a completely different lane than everybody else. Yeah, yeah. As a as a like homeowner myself, that's gone through this process. I appreciate that roofing cost calculator so much because. <laughs> 
I remember the classic, they wrote it on a piece of paper and slid it over the table, like shady, like mafia stuff. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I don't trust them at all. So that's really cool that you're doing that experience. And there's also another thing that I heard recently, I think you were talking on another podcast about, um, you wanna kind of transform that, that brick and mortar mindset of a showroom and you wanna have kind of a different approach mm -hmm. there. So um, this is another thing where you're, you're, you're comparing yourself to Tesla. Can you mm -hmm. talk a little bit about that and, and kind of yeah. what your plans for that are? Yeah, I have really big plans. And if other referrers uh, hear this, please, by all means, use it. I think um, we have to bring people to, we, we, people feel really shy about opening up their own their homes to roofers all the time think about it. it might be a single mother maybe she has to like clean to get ready for you maybe there's laundry people are people have a lot of insecurities and some people just don't feel comfortable at all having you in their space so i said to myself well how can we bring people to our space so of course we do it successfully in our offices but how can we take it a step further with the technology that we have and can we partner is there a room to partner up with brands like hover eagle view all these solar companies like is there a way to to partner up and and i through research, I realized there is a way. There is a way that we can bring components of technology and have people walk into these 3D rooms that have like touch feel of old school products, but more importantly, have these 3D models where they have these mega touchscreen TVs where they can play with their home, they can pull up their home, they can play with it, they can design it, and then they can say, oh my God, my house could look like this this could be my house and only for this much money or there is this incentive you know with this program i didn't know this and then you know they're welcome to have a cup of coffee and talk with somebody should they want to but if they don't they can just walk right out it was still a cool experience for them they still took something away from it and again that's just again opening up our industry our industry is very dark it's very like meet me in an alley i'll sell you a roof um and my and, and i know people feel that way and although as roofers we've done a great job i think there's still so much more to do as roofers we're still using uh scare tactics we're still using tactics of like i'll play your deductible we're still using tactics of if you sign now i'll lock you in and as long as those tactics exist to me it means that we still have a lot of work to do because those type of tactics don't exist in, in um, hospitality it a lot of other industries they only exist in our industry and why and i think it's because we're we, even though we say we're transparent i don't believe we're anywhere near it yeah yeah well it's the concept of like a rising tide lifts all boats right when you've got a few shady contractors out there it brings everybody down but if everybody's mm -hmm. you know kind of adopting some of these you know homeowner first policies I, I feel like the industry as a whole would really start to be seen a lot higher uh you know in the limelight i guess Mm -hmm. I mean, we still have people asking if you're insured. <laughs> and um, to me, that's that's a sad question. I, If there's a roofer listening, to me, every time somebody asks, do you have insurance or licensing? And they ask me that, that's a very, like that question hurts me. I, like, really? I almost like they slap me because every restaurant needs insurance to operate, right? They need a health inspection. They need, you know, approval to serve the food. So no, nobody would dare walk into a restaurant. They wouldn't have those licensing. So the fact that they have to ask a roofer means that we still, again, we have a lot of work to do because it's still something that's asked. Like people are asking you, do you have a license to drive? Like mm -hmm. that's pretty much what they're asking you. And that's really sad. <laughs> because they're, they're, they're saying you look like a guy that shouldn't own a license. Like you shouldn't <laughs> be driving. <laughs> Maybe yeah. you have something in your record. <laughs> so 
So that's to me that's sad that there that that's still a that shouldn't have to be one of the twelve questions that they ask you. That should have been something that everybody in our industry had or has. Yeah, that's fascinating, Greta. Um, you know, kind of shifting a little bit, pivoting. Um, you know, what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing from a lot of you know roofers and contractors in general is you know business is great right now. Um, that mm -hmm. that early the leads are coming in. Uh, I think somebody said the other day, if you're in home improvement, you're making money right now. But at the same time, there's always an ebb and flow to these things. So, you know, you as a leader, you're always looking forward. And I can tell because, you know, you're, you're positioning yourself against some of these giants that are always, you know, looking forward uh, the next like, year, two years. So mm -hmm. with, you know, everything being good right now, and if you're open to sharing this, um, yeah, of course. Any, I am. Are there any strategies or ideas like you're planning on implementing over the next few months to really continue to take advantage of the the boom right now, so to speak, um, for to fill your pipeline? You know, I mean, I've actually um, done a reverse psychology. I know a lot of companies right now are overspending on leads. Mm -hmm. They're using this abundance of business to just overspend. I'm seeing more truck purchases. I'm seeing more billboards go up more than ever, which is great, but I'm doing a reverse. I'm doing a reverse. I, I'm still setting a 20% growth. Like I'm still, I still want to grow this year. Why not? Mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm saying, how can we use these funds now to work on quality versus quantity? I'm mm -hmm. more interested with my team bringing four or five super qualified appointment than 10. So I'm using, I'm saying, okay, so if the market is super saturated, there's so much clients out there wanting roofs. What can we do as a digital marketing team to bring only the five that we want? So we don't waste our time. And we sort of, so we're doing a reverse. We're actually meeting with less people this month than we were like any other time. Wow. But we're, we're also meeting with the we're almost picking the now because there's a lot of fish in the sea. So we're going, okay, I want that really big one, that really big one, and that one. You guys can have the rest. So we're using a reverse psychology. The reason we're doing this is because we're trying to save as much of this in this. Yes, you're right. There is a lot coming in, but we're gonna save this as liquid capital to keep the company strong because yeah. we don't need to have I would, I'm more obsessed with having consistent growth and having one year that's just this amazing growth, but this incredible spending year too. Yeah. So, cause that's, that's not growth to me. That's just like coming in and going out. And I, and that's, that's good for some companies, but it could also for a company like us that does, does, has always relied on consistency. We want to make sure that we are still keeping, you know, that, that's spending at a very measurable uh, and healthy rate. We don't want to overspend just because we have four great months of roofing. We don't know what the future holds. So we're going to continue spending like we always have. If anything, we're being more reserved with our savings and with yeah. our spending. Um, because again, I, I don't think it's necessary. My team asked me too. They're like, oh, we're so busy. Does that mean we can like do the crazy stuff we've always talked about? And I said, no. <laughs> you know, yeah. we're yeah. not we're not gonna go do those funny billboards that you know every five miles that say something hilarious. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. You know, also it's fascinating because you know getting a I see a lot of people booking out jobs you know eight months and it's harder to really build a relationship with that customer, which is you know your your motto's you know contractors with a heart, you know roofing with a heart. So mm -hmm. it really comes down to that like creating a relationship with the homeowner. And that's how you oh, get yeah. that funnel of referrals and repeats later on down the road. So it's a pretty cool approach is to like, not jump at everything that comes out and, you know, focus on the ones that, you know, could fill that pipeline later. That That's pretty cool. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm, I say this and I said this to a client yesterday in a sign off because, you know, we had a little hiccup and he, he was, he loved the way we were handling things. And I said, I'm not obsessed with profit and loss. I'm obsessed with relationships. I really mm -hmm. am. Like I am a little crazy for it. Maybe <laughs> some people are not like, I really want every person to be my friend that buys a roof here. Like that's maybe a little dramatic on my <laughs> end, but that's the kind of stuff that motivates me. I'm not motivated by profit and loss on a job. I'm motivated on a relationship with a client on the job. So if that relationship is somehow lost, I'm going to do everything. I don't care if we made money on it. I don't care if we had to lose everything. I'm going to do everything impossible to regain that relationship or restore it to a level of at least respect, right? Because yeah. I don't want somebody in a community feeling like they don't respect me. That's a really horrible uh, feeling to carry, right? I may be in a coffee shop next month with my daughter. I may be, you know, meeting another client in their local area. I don't want them to see me and say, oh, like what a horrible experience I had with that company. Yeah. You know, I don't want that. So I told the client, what can I do? So we are at a level of respect for one another. That doesn't matter. Like, don't worry yeah. about final payments. Don't worry about any of that. Like, let me let's talk with one another what we can we do so we're and i don't think a lot of companies again say that but they're not that vulnerable i think that one of the best traits i have is that i leave myself bare and vulnerable to every client and i don't ever let however many millions this company has made get in the way of that i treat it like day one first client what can i do to make you happy and i think that is a, a virtue that I carry. And um, I think that's something I'm very proud of to say, you know, I don't like to brag about myself, but that's one virtue that so far has carried me to where I am today and being able to speak with you. And I think if you're out there listening, if you just say to yourself, it doesn't matter. This is my first client. Even the must, it might be your 30,000 client. Pretend like it's your first client yeah. and treat them and, and go and leave yourself vulnerable in a position where you can make both parties respect each other because at the end of the day you have to you're the business owner right like you signed up for a long-term goal you didn't sign up for just that profit on that job you signed up for the integrity and the legacy of your brand in the community don't get short-sighted with just making money on that particular job yeah that's fascinating and you know it works because i couldn't find a negative review for your company <laughs> anywhere online so it's it you know creating those relationships really works for sure Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was gonna say, and, th and don't think that there there's only been five star, you know, experiences. Yeah. I'm sure there's been four stars experiences. It's just how we've handled them. I like I think we call them nine one ones in the office. And when there's a nine one one, it doesn't matter if I'm, I'm in New York, I'm in LA. It doesn't matter. Like if, the, if depending on the scale of the nine one one, I will come back because that's my job. That's what I signed up for. Yeah. That's what being a leader means. It means showing my team that when something goes wrong. It doesn't matter where I am. I have to come back. I have to deal with that client. They don't have to deal with that client. Like it's my job. That's what I signed up for. And they know that. And I think when you let your team know that you will deal with any problem that goes wrong, they feel that energy and they, they understand that you are their backbone. You know, I am the backbone of golden group and together we make a team. And when, when I feel sometimes that salespeople in other companies are left to handle these experiences by themselves, and I just think that's, that's, again, it's a very narrow way of looking at it. As the owner, it's your job to handle all the clients. Like at the yeah. end of the day, it's your business. It's, yeah. So you signed, up, you signed up for it as a leader, right? Like <laughs> no man behind, no soldier behind. Use that military mindset of mm -hmm. um, man down. You, you got to go and get your men. And that's, that's my job every day. That's awesome. I, that, that's so cool, Greta. I love that philosophy. So I have one last question that I like to ask sure. every guest on here. Um, 
it could be one thing, it could be two things. It's it's totally up to you. And it sounds like you might have just answered it already, but um, it's last tip before we did. So um, what's the number one piece of advice or tip you would give to any home improvement owners out there right now? Um, this took, um, <laughs> this so much, there's so many, but I know. I yeah, think yeah. The, the biggest one is authenticity for you and mm -hmm. no slander for others. Like I feel that there's still a lot of competitors out there that want to get, um, a little bit higher traction by talking bad for somebody else. I've never in the last 10 years had to speak ill of anyone. And I think success has always found a way. I have never needed to take somebody else's estimate apart. Success has always found a way. I've, I've never needed to tell a homeowner, cancel with that guy, he's not good. You know, I think that that's once, it, it be authentic to you and uh, instead of worrying about how you can defame or slander someone else. I think that's my biggest advice. I think if we all follow it and we truthfully follow it, you know, we will be better people because maybe right now you're saying, I don't care, but what if you're in the receiving end? What if mm -hmm. somebody's talking bad about you tomorrow? How would that make you feel? Mm -hmm. I think if we're all authentic and we all have integrity and we all worry about our own relationships with the people that, you know, choose to work with us because it is a choice. They have to choose you. And if they choose you over me, then that's okay because they made the best choice for their home. And I think if we all use that type of level of respect, our, our, our roofing industry and community is only going to become stronger because it's very easy for young people to get discouraged. And there's a lot of young men and women that are joining the roofing industry and let's keep them. Let's find unique ways to keep them. And the only way we can keep them is to keep this industry with respect for one another, because how can we have the homeowners respect us if we don't respect one another? Mm -hmm. Respect from homeowners can only come when we as roofers, every single person from the roofer on the roof to the office manager, if we respect each other, and that's the only time we're going to have the respect from our consumer. And I think that's my my message. I, I Sorry, I make it a little like social and social justice and all that stuff. But yeah. I think that's the biggest message is because sometimes I see young salespeople enter the roofing industry and then they leave. And I ask them, why did you leave? And they're like, I can't handle like the the drama, the, the bad oh, talk. Yeah. Like, I don't like that. I'd rather go sell, you know, in a medical field. I'd rather go sell in IT. I'd rather go sell, you know, in a hospitality industry. So let's keep, let's keep people employed in roofing. But the only way we can do that is if we respect each other. Yeah, that's awesome. Authenticity, not slander. It's an amazing, I'm going <laughs> to get that printed on like a sign and I'm going to hang it in our office somewhere. That's awesome. <laughs> Greta, that was all the questions I had. Thank you so much for joining to me today. I, I, I love this episode. There was a ton of good information in here. Um, if anyone is interested in, you know, maybe learning more about you or learning more about Golden Group, um, where should they go? Yeah, I mean, you can always email me, Greta, at goldengroupproofing.com. I will reply to you, I promise. Or LinkedIn is a great source, too. You know, I always make new friends there, and it's great to keep the relationships uh, alive. And then for Golden Group, obviously, it's goldengroupproofing.com. It's also the same on all social handles where you can watch our craziness unfold. That's <laughs> yeah, awesome. Uh, yeah, I, also the the you can only use the calculator three times as a reminder for everyone out there. Yeah, it's <laughs> just <the> one IP. <laughs> when I did it, I wanted it to be endless, but unfortunately, it kept getting too much spamming. So maybe we'll maybe we'll listen to that last message and we'll get to a level of respect, and then we won't need <laughs> to do things like that. <laughs> exactly, exactly, awesome. So Greta, thanks so much, and until next time. Thank you. Of course, thank you.